0: The Medical Alley podcast is brought to you by MentorMate. Custom software needs vary significantly. Whether you're powering a medical device, overhauling your backend architecture, or reimagining your patient experience, MentorMate can help. Harnessing the technical excellence of Bulgaria, MentorMate provides end-to-end software services in all sectors of healthcare. With deep expertise in design, development, cloud, and software support, MentorMate helps healthcare clients administer world-class care through technology. Learn more at MentorMate.com. Hello, and welcome to Medical Alley Association's newest addition to our podcast lineup, At the Table. Through this brand new series, we will explore how policy affects the healthcare community here in Minnesota's Medical Alley and beyond. It's not always easy to decode bills and policy proposals, so we're bringing you to the source. With exclusive interviews in every episode, you'll get an inside look at what's happening at the national and state level as we sit down with lawmakers, policy shapers, and lobbyists. I'm your host, Gabriella Spence, federal policy and advocacy manager here at Medical Alley Association. Joining me for our inaugural episode is Congressman Tom Emmer, who represents Minnesota's sixth congressional district. His constituency spans the western and northern suburbs of the Twin Cities and includes the central Minnesota hub, St. Cloud. This is the congressman's fourth term and he currently serves as chairman of the National Republican Congressional Committee as well as ranking member for the House Financial Services Task Force on Financial Technology. Congressman Emmer, welcome. Wonderful to have you. Thank you for joining us.
1: Gabriela, thank you for having me. And again, I'm just gonna compliment you. We, we've known how talented you were, but these uh, podcasts that you are starting just take it to a whole new level.
0: I agree, thank you for that. And excited to have you again as our inaugural one. I'm just gonna jump right in because there's a lot of ground to cover and we got a short amount of time. Uh, You're involved in some really interesting caucuses, so I'd like to start by talking about a few of them. Give us an overview of the Personalized Medicine Caucus. What kind of work do you do, and what do your colleagues aim to accomplish through this caucus?
1: Well, uh, the Personalized Medicine Caucus uh, is, I believe, critical to help us bring attention to new biomedical innovations and to advance policies that help American patients who are affected by uh, things like cancer and other devastating diseases, it's it's that vehicle to try and raise awareness. All patients, as you know, Gabriella, are uh, all patients and the diseases uh, that uh, people experience are unique, uh, and the therapy and treatment options that they have available should be just as unique through the personalized Medi- medicine caucus or. Better yet, let's just call it personalized medicine, uh, which is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, It is personalized to that individual and that disease, their experience with that condition. Uh, We can improve patient outcomes through early detection uh, and thereby also increase efficiency and lower costs of treatment. Personalized medicine, in fact, has the potential to save lives and revolutionize treatment. Uh, It gives physicians the ability to treat patients with comprehensive and holistic treatment plans that are individualized to the patient. Uh, and that's what ultimately improves outcomes. Like so many families, uh, I, I've had this experience. Cancer had a devastating impact on our family. We lost my sister 20 years ago. She was way too young, uh, 38, uh, and she passed from breast cancer. And I, I will just tell you, uh, Gabriella, in her memory, uh, we're gonna continue to fight for individualized treatment options for other families. I I remember I would have done anything, and I know my folks would have done anything for Bridget. But 20 years ago, we didn't have some of the options that we have today. We need to look at breaking down all the barriers that exist to new early-stage treatments and therapies that could help uh, people who are in the situation that my sister was in 20 years ago. For example, PGX, Pharmaco. Genomics. It's a mouthful. Uh, You did a great job. That's why we all call it PGX, right? (laughs) Uh, This is an area that we've been working on as a caucus. uh, And I believe it's an incredibly viable path that we need to explore. 99% of the population has a genetic variant that impacts how their body responds to a pharmaceutical drug. And more than 91% of the population is unable to process medications in the way that that medication is intended. Every person's unique genetic makeup affects drug efficacy, absorption rates, dosage, and as a result, patient safety. PGX is one of these areas that can provide information necessary to the clinician, which will enable improved decision-making regarding prescription medications. Although numerous studies have demonstrated just how critical PGX is to patient care, uh, it hasn't yet been broadly adopted in our healthcare system. This is one of the reasons that uh, the Personalized Medicine Caucus is so important. Uh, we need to make sure that clinicians can be, uh, while they can be uncertain of how to use PGX, we gotta make sure that we uh, enlist uh, pharmacists in the effort uh, with the clinicians so that they combined can determine what the best medications are to prescribe. Again, for that particular individual who's experienced whatever the disease is, that their uh, unique situation uh, is, challenge, is challenged with. Maybe that's a mouthful, but that's that's why it's so important.
0: Absolutely. You, there are so many points I want to touch on here. I'm going to try and remember them chronologically. First and foremost, thank you for sharing that really personal story. Um, so sorry for your loss, but I'm grateful that it's made you a really powerful advocate for this innovative technology and, um, you know, ability to care for patients uh, in a more holistic way. I also love that you kind of identified uh, one of the, you know, barriers to making this much more of a commonplace, you know, usage of care or maybe care model is a better word for it. Um, Kind of that knowledge, bridging that knowledge gap by bringing the pharmacists in to work with the physicians. Am I understanding that correctly? Yes. Okay. I'm wondering if you can maybe identify if there are any other barriers you've come across when trying to advocate for this personalized, patient-centric approach.
1: It's funding. You know how, uh, how who's who's going to pick up the uh, the bill? Uh, how it gets covered under insurance. It's it's like anything else, Gabriella, and and you've spent enough time on the Hill that you know sometimes it's like turning a super tanker at sea, but you're not going to get that thing to you're not going to get that ship to turn unless you start getting people on board the ship. So it, it really is raising awareness. That's why I brought up PGX because I think it's one of the more exciting things. I I wish we would have been talking about this uh, twenty plus years ago because perhaps. My sister and many others just like her would still be here with us today,
0: mm-hmm. uh, and I
1: appreciate you uh, uh, recognizing uh, that. But look, uh, Bridget lived a great life. Uh, we just want to make sure that people who are faced with this right now have a chance to continue to uh, to fight and live on. It's it's as we learn more and more about the genetic variants and how personal uh, the experience is—not just emotionally, but physically, right? Uh, that's where the, the awareness people need to understand. We're going to get to the point, I believe, where based on a person's uh, genetic makeup, uh, based on the disease that he or she is uh, fighting, we're going to be able to have the clinicians and the pharmacists combine to do almost a laser approach personal to that patient and that disease, which is going to be more successful than what we do right now, which You know, people are doing the best they can. But in the past, you do more of a uh, a needle in a haystack approach. You're going to use everything trying to find that needle. Uh, Mm
0: -hmm. But it's
1: not necessarily uh, starting laser focused on the needle. And that's really where we're trying to go with the Personalized Medicine Caucus. Raise awareness so that other members of Congress understand the great breakthroughs that are out there where we already uh, are so we can move forward. And the barriers uh, are one, uh, you know. People just don't know enough about it. Uh, you got to have more uh, clinicians and pharmacists uh, uh, educated uh, in knowing how to apply it and how to uh, how to interpret it. Uh, and then you've got to have uh, you know the different health systems accepting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we on the Hill and, and you through your efforts uh, through Medical Alley, we can have a uh, we can make a big difference in making this thing become reality.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I want to pivot a little bit. We could talk about this for another like four hours, but I don't think people will listen for that long. So I'm gonna pivot a little bit. I wanna keep innovation in mind, uh, but I wanna move on to blockchain. You are a key leader in Congress on this issue. In fact, you are the chair of the Congressional Blockchain Caucus. Uh, There's a healthcare angle I wanna delve into, but I wonder if you could give our listeners as high level as you can get a high level overview on what blockchain technology is.
1: Well, in order for me to do that, I have to tee up how I even became familiar with blockchain, which starts, yes, with, please. With, which starts with something called cryptocurrency, which a lot of your uh, your listeners are going to go, what? I've heard of that. Isn't that a bad thing? Well, no. You no, know, cryptocurrency uh, really came online after the uh, economic uh, challenges that we experienced in 2008, uh, and it's it's not going away. But cryptocurrency operates on a blockchain platform. A blockchain is an open source code that people who are familiar with how to build it can get in, and they can build off the blockchain without having to disclose uh, personal information. You and I could disclose uh, information to each other in this open source network, but others who are participating in the network would not uh, necessarily be able to identify who we are. It's, it's a uh, peer-to-peer uh, open source network, which uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are going to go, what's that? I don't, I don't understand. Bottom line is, it is a platform for cryptocurrency. It is a platform that ultimately may be a solution to our cybersecurity issues uh, and by the way, it has huge uh, implications uh, in the healthcare space, specifically the, uh, the health records uh, uh, in our health information, which I'm happy to talk about. But that's uh, probably more complicated than you want. But uh, people, no. who, people who write code will understand what I'm talking about, uh, people who work in the area. The rest of us understand that this is the type of platform technology that uh, enables uh, us to get on the internet and actually exchange information.
0: You made that both comprehensive and interesting. Really well done. I can tell you're well-versed in this. Thank you for meeting me at my level. I'm sure our listeners may be a little bit more educated on this than I am, but I appreciate it. And you almost beat me to the punch. I'm glad you didn't, but you teed me up great. I wanna get into that healthcare piece you mentioned I want to hear from you, how do you see blockchain impacting health records? And I'd also love if you can comment, because you've been reading my mind, so I'm trying to get ahead of you a little bit. I, I want to hear a little bit about what you think Congress's role is in this space.
1: Well, I'll do it a little uh, uh, backward with your last piece first, because it really relates to the Personalized Medicine Caucus. It's the same idea. You know, I, I read a book about uh, six years ago called The Age of Cryptocurrency, which was my first introduction to this. Uh, when I finished the book, I mean, I told uh, my legislative uh, uh, director at the time, I need more. I, I want more. You got to help me understand this better. Uh, at that point, he told me that if I wasn't the most knowledgeable uh, on the topic in Congress, I was definitely in the top five. Well, Gabriella, imagine you're being told that you just read this breakthrough Uh, technology that supports uh, this cryptocurrency idea, uh, and there's only five people or less out of 535 that understand what it is, that's a little daunting because, uh, look, in this internet age that we're in, Gabriella, uh, government had better figure out how to become more nimble and more uh, uh, flexible. Otherwise, uh, all these advancements and the people who are, uh, are making them are going to leave us behind. Uh, and that's not what we want to do. you got to have uh, some involvement with governments so that we can have some regulation. I would suggest light touch so that people can operate safely within the environment. But blockchain itself, which, again, is that platform that supports things like cryptocurrency, it's been deployed already in the logistics business. Uh, you can literally, for food safety purposes, trace a uh, food item right back to the field that it was uh, taken out of. Uh, so, I've
0: heard of that, I, but, I've, but I've not put that together that that's how they do it through blockchain. Well, and, and
1: here's where you asked me about the healthcare space blockchain can actually offer a solution for healthcare organizations uh, because of its potential to transform the way we view and utilize electronic health records. Uh, a single global blockchain could serve as a secure global electronic health record. Now, that might be a little intimidating to some people out there. But if you think about this, I told you it's an, a peer-to-peer open source network where people can put their information on the blockchain. It's entirely secure, right? Uh, it's not necessarily identifiable to the, uh, the individual. So you have privacy uh, protections you have uh, security, cybersecurity protections because it's open. Ultimately this could lead to a publicly accessible provider chain with the ability to update patient information in real time. Much like I told you in the logistics space, you can trace a food item right back to its origin in real time. Now, the most important uh, aspect of this is in the blockchain, patients would still control their own data And a patient would be able to choose when and to whom to grant access to his or her uh, healthcare records. I can tell you there are companies right now that are beginning to get into this area. And frankly, uh, you asked what the Blockchain Caucus uh, is all about. We should be leaning in to do all that we can in Congress to help these uh, companies or entrepreneurs utilize and support this, uh, I believe, limitless uh, technology.
0: So what I'm hearing you say, and I want you to correct me if I'm wrong, I'm hearing you say that this could solve for the current very siloed system we have with health records. Right now, if you go to a physician that's even in a different network, even sometimes still within the same network, they're not communicating to provide that uh, kind of one stop shop record of all the visits you've had, the procedures you've had. Uh, but this could solve for that. Am I understanding that correctly?
1: Absolutely. So let's, let's use this example. Uh, I started by telling you about cryptocurrency. Let's say that Gabriella and Tom have a uh, value exchange that we want to perform. Uh, I'm going to do uh, some uh, service. I, I'm, I'm not very good at uh, remodeling, but I'm really good at uh, uh, demolition. So Gabriella wants to redo her kitchen. I'm going to agree to demolish uh, her kitchen so she can rebuild it and i'm going to do it for bitcoin so gabriella would go to her wallet she would which is on this peer to peer open source network so everybody can see what's out there but they don't see gabriella's name but gabriella will take her bitcoin and she will transfer it to tom emmer using the blockchain platform okay imagine if that was your medical record and I'm a healthcare provider, Uh, maybe you've got several, right? Several different healthcare providers, different, you know, organizations, healthcare uh, organizations, like you say, they're, they're siloed today. But what if I have all of my medical records, much like I have my cryptocurrency in my virtual wallet, I have all my medical records, my medical history on the blockchain, now, when I, I'm treating with Gabriella, I, Gabriella says uh, I need access to your medical records. I, the patient, can give you permission to uh, see the entire medical record file uh, through the blockchain uh, network. That—that's okay. rough description, but that's how it would work.
0: That was. I think that was very, uh, an illuminating example. I also love the scenarios you painted. Not only are you demoing my kitchen for me, which I would love to save the countertops because they're new. I also love that you've made me a doctor. I've never been interested in being a doctor, (laughs) but I'm kind of okay with it now. So thank you. I'd like to cap off our conversation with a topic I think you've kind of been building on. So I'm interested to see how you're going to kind of tie in the other pieces we've already mentioned, but a topic that's receiving significant and long overdue attention across the country, which is eliminating disparities in healthcare. This is an expansive issue that needs holistic solutions. Some of which we've already talked about again, tell us about how you and your colleagues are approaching this issue. What do you feel has been accomplished? Maybe just in this Congress in the last what's on the horizon, Uh, And bringing us a bit closer to home, how do you see Congress's work impacting Minnesotans in a positive way?
1: Well, I really appreciate the question, Gabriella. Obviously, it's imperative that we ensure proper healthcare for all Americans, uh, including our most vulnerable populations. One area, by the way, that saw an exacerbation of disparities due to the COVID-19 pandemic is rural America, greater Minnesota, more rural communities. Uh, I, I actually uh, led a letter to the Health and Human Services Secretary uh, Xavier Becerra, urging changes to reporting requirements that would lead to hundreds of rural providers being forced to return COVID-19 funds to Washington, D.C. That was not the intent, obviously. I, I'm going to be introducing the GRAD Act next week with Representative Grace Meng from New York. Grace and I have done some other work together to streamline the J visa application process for foreign students applying for admission to a graduate medical education or training program. Uh, We obviously, uh, I'm sure that your listeners are well aware that we have a current physician shortage. And this bill would help fill in those uh, those gaps, especially in underserved areas, uh, rural communities all across this country. Uh, recently, I joined in a letter in support of Medicare Advantage, which serves a vast population of Medicare beneficiaries uh, in our state, uh, the great state of Minnesota. And this will continue to expand access to health care for our seniors. So I you rural Minnesota. I've given you uh, the physician shortage, uh, Medicare Advantage. But look, we need to continue hearing from uh, stakeholders like you and the folks at Medical Alley on what is working and where the barriers to uh, innovation exist. Uh, bureaucratic red tape, as you know, Gabriella, stifles innovation and the administration of care. Understanding where those problems exist will help us address them as we move forward. And we're just going to have to continue to get, gather further evidence based data to educate the public on the benefits of new advancements like personalized medicine. But there's a uh, some of the ways that I believe we can be eliminating disparities both uh, across the country and here in my home state of Minnesota.
0: I am incredibly encouraged to hear the items you just mentioned, the work you guys are doing. I also completely agree data is going to play a critical role in helping us keep bridging the gaps. We've gotten some really, you know, We've gotten measures here and there, and I don't want to discount them. The bipartisan work that Congress is doing, the work happening through the White House and the various agencies, but um, completely agree. Data is going to be critical, especially for the not hard to reach, just not reached often enough populations. Thank you for that information. That's our time. But before we sign off, is there anything else you'd like our listeners in the Medical Alley community to know?
1: Yeah, just uh, your people should know that uh, they're, uh, they're incredibly important to our future. We all just came through an incredibly difficult period in our history. We should celebrate the fact that we have survived this thing and we should uh, be excited about getting together and uh, just being Americans not Republicans and Democrats, but Americans. Uh, and, and just uh, I'll tell you what, we just came through the 4th of July, Gabrielle, and I was reminded, we're gonna get along. I, I told some, uh, some people on the grade route, they were great, but uh, just a quick story, uh, someone had a differing opinion, and I stopped and I said, hey, look, uh, glad to see that you made it through the uh, pandemic, glad to see you're healthy, uh, happy to uh, be moving forward, but today, today we're all getting together and we're going to be like a good Minnesota family that's sitting down at the table. We're going to say a short prayer. We're going to eat. We're going to enjoy each other. And then we'll fight. All right. So let's, uh, let's try to keep that in mind that uh, we're all Americans at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day. And while we might have some disagreements, uh, what we have in common far outweighs uh, whatever disagreements we might have. And Great that you're doing this. Uh, Glad that you're at Medical Alley. I think uh, they're going to benefit greatly. So are you. Uh, Look forward to working with you, Gabriella, as we move forward on some of these great innovations. And uh, it's a big future.
0: Congressman Emmer, you are such a joy to converse with. Thank you for being on our first At The Table podcast. Thank you for sharing your insights and your expertise and all the work you do for not just Minnesota's Medical Alley, but our nation as a whole, truly grateful for you. I'd like to give a big thank you to our listeners. Your continued support allows us to bring you amazing conversations like this one. So if you enjoyed it, please consider subscribing to the Medical Alley podcast and giving us a five-star rating. We'll see you next time on At The Table.